Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiworld Dubai. Uh, so we have the list of talking points on the screen for you to follow. Uh, Steve Mellish obviously is the main man uh, discussing all of the subjects. And we are ready to go with number one. Here we go. Uh, Steve, UK and Irish, we've just sort of discussed it in the show. Uh, it's been a domination from the Irish so far. What's your own view on the current situation between the two nations? The current situation is that the Irish have got massively the upper hand. They've got the best horses. Uh, they've got some wonderful trainers. Um, I find it hardest to understand the handicaps in quite what happened at Cheltenham, but I can certainly understand the top horses with, with what they've done. But you do need to, to have a battle, and I think it was great for the sport uh, that Paul Nichols uh, sent Clan de Zobo out there and beat the best of the Irish. I think that was a great result. Uh, how, do we, how do we ensure that racing is more competitive at the festival in years to come? Is it a long-term thing? Are we going to have to put our hands up and say, well, Irish are going to dominate because that's where the power lies for the foreseeable future? Uh, to be honest, I don't know, Richard. I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff being done on this at the moment. I don't know how you stop the best horses winning. If they've got the best horses, they're going to continue to win. And at the moment, they are way ahead. The handicapping thing, I think, is, is harder mm. to fathom. They didn't just win all the top races. They won virtually every, every handicap, and some of them by ridiculous margins. Now, whether that is, you know, the handicap and being wrong, I don't know. I mean, it's not happened in the same extent in previous years, has mm. it? So not in quite to the degree that it was this year. So I don't know what the solution is. I'm sure brighter people than me will try and work on it. And why are all the big British owners still having horses, or some big British owners having horses in Ireland. Is that down to prize money? Partly, and you know, if you're Rich Richie, why wouldn't you have horses with Willie Mullins? We've just seen the reason last week. You know, uh, it's the sourcing of the horses, the training of the horses, the placing of the horses, the riding of the horses is all tremendous. So that's one of the reasons, yes, obviously prize money are, 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 as well. Indeed. A number of factors involved in why the Irish are dominating at the moment, but the odd British success keeps hope alive. Move on to our second point, Steve, for, for discussion, and this is something that I know that you're not a social media... Yeah, I'm struggling to keep this going for two minutes. First, <laughs> you have to tell me what, what it is. I know you're not a social media... Al, in any None. way, you have no interest in con contributing. None but you are aware of the story that's yeah. currently going on, yeah. uh, that racing has supported other sporting industries and sporting bodies in a social media blackout this weekend. Racing done the right thing? Yes, and, and other sports done the right thing. Will it make a difference? I doubt it. There's a lot of idiots out there who, who will continue to be obnoxious, won't they? That, that's the nature of the beast, I'm afraid. But is it right to do it? Absolutely. I do think when... On a broader scale, and this isn't really so much to do with, with racing, but I think if people are found um, guilty of, of some things, I think the punishment should be you know, more uh, severe. But uh, yeah. what, what you, you know, I don't think there's much to do, but I think the united force saying how much we disapprove of, of, of you know, a prejudice on any scale is the right thing to there, do. There are some people, obviously, who are saying that this achieves nothing. So no. why, should we, why should we bother with this? Is it a case of, well, we have to stand for some sort of principles and maybe this is something that uh, advertises that? They, they'd be right in, in many ways. It's symbolic, isn't it? It isn't anything more than that. It is symbolic. But that doesn't mean it has no worth at all. It's lots of sports saying, 
we don't want this. Now, okay, you know, it's like all the adverts about, you know, I'm with you or whatever, you know, they're all right. I don't, does it make any difference? Probably not. Mm. But the more you do it, hopefully, and the more you educate people, basically, to stop being idiots would, uh, would help. Yeah, the education is, I think, the, the most important thing. I think. Of course. Uh, there ought to be, well, people ought to try and empathise. I mean, that's the hardest part, the fact that the abuse comes from people that don't have any empathy. Um, it has the, the responsibility has to fall to someone, and if it's not falling to the abusers or the trolls or whatever you want to describe it at, then it falls to the the people who's who are responsible for the platforms in which that abuse appears. So hopefully there will be some uh, some improvement in the situation following this boycott. Uh, we're talking about a horse that this point last year it seemed as if the world was at his feet, and we end the season with question marks over Envoy Allen after his defeat at Punchestown this week. The racing's chock full of that. Um, I've gone blank on the horse I was going to compare Crow? it with. Sorry, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe not quite the same as it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and some horses don't, in the end, end up um, fulfilling all the problems. Now, may, he's young, and maybe he will. Change of yards? Yeah, well, very possibly made a difference, particularly a lot made of the very close relationship he had with his lass. I can absolutely see that. I can really see that. That might have been very unsettling for the horse, that you know, in a way that he can't tell you. Um, Cheltenham was a worry because he was a bit free and um, one of those mistakes you couldn't quite work out why mm. he fell. That was a worry. This week was worse. I mean, this week he was, you know, he was really flat. Whether he comes back or doesn't come back, I don't know. Um, he's got it to prove. He, he now has a huge question mark. You also ask yourself, um, was he quite as good as we thought he was? I mean, maybe, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But maybe people will we revisit some of his wins. But yeah. at the moment, he's got he's got things to prove. And that race in particular at, at Punchestown this past week, with Monkfish also getting beaten, Cool Revy win, winning. Um, I think some people were disappointed that she never got the, the credit she deserved because there was so much attention on the other two. What did you think of her actual achievement? Well, I'll tell you what I do think. Handicappers get a lot of flack. The handicapper gave her a really good chance getting the allowance. If you just look at the figure, I can't remember if she was one pound ahead or one pound behind yeah. Monkfish. You could argue Monkfish has run about six or seven pounds below his best. Emily Allen has clearly run miles below his best. So, no, I mean... Just because things don't live up to your perceptions beforehand, it doesn't necessarily mean it was right. That's all, I think, really. You still believe in Monkfish? Uh, I do, I do, but I think he's beatable. Yeah, yeah he's very good, but again, he, he's, got it. He's, a great, he's a very good novice who's, who's got to develop into more than that. Yeah, well, uh, there was a, at some point this season we thought that Monkfish and, indeed, Envoy Allen were destined for a, a Hall of Fame of sorts. Well, there's an actual Hall of Fame now for the sport of horse racing in the first two inductees. I think are, are, are understandable, Steve. Um, Lester Piggott and Frankel, two, two characters in racing uh, that I think you would quite happily uh, start <laughs> off the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you, can't argue, you can't argue the best horse you've ever seen and the best jockey you've ever seen. You can't argue that that's their, their right choice. I tell you what I feel about this, Rishi. I think it's got, it has got real well. Because it doesn't interest me, it doesn't mean it's not got worth. It has, because a lot of people will really like it and therefore it's the right thing to do. It's not something that floats my boat, if I'm being honest, the Hall of Fame. You know, you and I are big golf fans and they have, you know, they've had a Hall yeah. of Fame for a number of years and people get, and 
I think, oh, yeah, OK. <laughs> that is what I think, you know. Oh, so Jack Nicholas is in it, or Tiger yeah. Woods is in it, or oh, th- you know, some other people. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's got wealth. That yeah. says more about my um, cynicism, if you like, yeah. than it does about the actual merit of the thing. But I'm not excited by it. I'm not. Yeah. Um, I guess it's an acknowledgement of, of, of what people have done. And maybe, you know, the, our history in our sport is very important. So therefore, maybe it's much more useful than I'm giving it credit for. I can only speak for myself in saying that it's not something that particularly floats my boat. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle here because I think is like, like I think you are kind of as well but there is a, a need for a Hall of Fame I think to acknowledge as you say the the huge contribution to the the furtherment of the sport the betterment of the sport with uh, Frankel attracted so many people from outside racing Leicester's name is legendary um, but we as racing fans we have our own personal hall as sports fans we have our own personal yeah. halls of fame whether it's cricket or golf or football we have people who are in our hall of fame yes and it's almost it doesn't matter what the official hall of fame says yeah it will still it still won't affect and whether it actually in, in increases people's um regard of Frankel and Lester Piggott i don't know i haven't yeah. i'm not saying it has no worth i'm just saying it doesn't excite me that's just who, a who, who would, would be next in the hall of fame for you if you could choose <sighs> willie mullins <laughs> given it topical okay uh right so that's the hall of fame dealt with um, one change being made to Racecourse, Southern Racecourse. I think it has one more fixture in August uh, on the fibre sand, Steve, before it becomes a similar surface to another track that already exists. Are you of the opinion that, that Southern have made the right decision that it, it's right to do away with the fibre sand? I'm going to give you an on-balance answer because I could easily be persuaded the other way if I'm being truthful. On balance, I think they have made the right choice. Um, it's a bit of a a one-off the fibre sand. Now maybe being a one-off is a good thing, it has specialists, but it's mainly low-grade stuff anyway, and it has specialists that are low-grade bees, that's why I guess it doesn't interest me. Um, I think the layout of Southall as a track is really good uh, for, for all-weather racing, and it might have more relevance to international racing with a with a slightly different, it might attract uh, a better sort of water. But honestly, if someone was here who's a big Southall fan, they could probably persuade me that, OK, there's yeah. room for one of these. So, yeah. again, I don't mean to be... That isn't fence-sitting. It's yeah. just something I don't feel strong about. On balance, I think it's the right choice. What about you think? Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe it's going to attract a better quality yeah, of, of race or at least better quality of races through the card because quite often it's a, it's a low-grade uh, meeting, but hopefully it will... Uh, I think perhaps some of the, the bigger trainers will, will use it to... To, to educate their younger horses, you know, the way John Gosling will go to Newcastle with. Um, you won't see any Aidan O'Brien horses warming up for the no. for the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, a Giants Causeway, for example, working there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, time will tell, basically. Um, I didn't think, other than providing an income for a limited number of people, I didn't think it provided a fantastic amount for the rest of the sport, personally. Uh, so, uh, Southall, one more fixture... Uh, in August, and then the surface changed. Fiber sand, no more. Uh, by that time in August, we will know, or not know, or we will know whether uh, Stradivarius has won a fourth Gold Cup or not. He made his comeback in the Cigarro Stakes uh, at Ascot earlier this week. I thought it was pretty impressive, Stu. Will he win the Gold Cup for the fourth time? Um, I suspect he might not, personally. I think... Um Objectivist is a, is, a, is a serious, serious danger to him. I thought it was a really uh, a good comeback. I love Stradivarius, so would I like him to? Yeah, and I, I love him for all the reasons that I think are important. I really like the owners 
attitude to him. I think all the things he said, you know, he's paid due respect, due homage or whatever to to players that got him interested. You know, Cigarro, there's a Hall of, Hall of Fame, Cigarro, three <laughs> gold cups. Um, Cigarro, Ardros, those sort of horses, you know, been loads since as well, you know, through to Yates. Yeah. I, think, I think he's really respectful of racing's history in that. And I think that made me want the horse to do well. And I think the horse is fantastically versatile. Mm. He's done it on all sorts of ground. Yeah, it's got beat a couple of times, but so what? It's also produced it on a big day lots and lots and lots of times. And whether it wins a fourth Gold Cup or doesn't win a fourth mm. Gold Cup isn't going to change one iota of what I think about him. If he does, great. If he doesn't, great. That's because he's in your, your personal Hall of Fame. Well, it's what the owner would be in my Hall of Fame, actually. Oh, I, was, I, I think okay. I just really... I think he's been... I think his comments... Um, have been great for the yeah. sport, personally. I think, it's, I think uh, he said the right thing. Just on, on the comeback run at Ascot, did you think that he, he blew up once he got to the front? Probably. Um, that's a natural reaction because, again, our pre, pre, preconceptions about what we thought beforehand might be as good as he is now. He yeah. ended last year on a slightly damp note. It might not be. I'm not, I mean, I'm not suggesting it is, yeah. but I don't know. Did he, he didn't have to be at his best, did he, to win no. at Ascot? I, I was so shaken by the way the season ended for him last season that I was... I was concerned. Yes, I mean, me I, too. I, I thought he might get beat, if I'm honest, me when too. he came back at Ascot. I'm relieved, I agree. It, it was a relief, and it was actually nice to see him quicken up and, and come there on the bridle yeah. and then go away. So Absolutely. Fingers crossed for, for Stradivarius. Now, the final talking point is another extremely interesting one, and it's to do with betting shops. We had Fred Doan uh, speaking in the, in the media earlier this week, Steve, talking about the fact that betting shops needs to change, uh, they need to innovate, because the future of betting shops is precarious. This is something that we've known about for, for a while. I mean, you and I probably, through what well, you obviously a bit more than me, spent a lot of time in betting shops. Worked in them, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so did I. I mean, and it's a place that obviously I have affinity for, but I can see the end of betting shops, certainly as they exist at the moment, um, in the near future. Now, we need more than two minutes of this because, uh, I mean, well, why, why are betting shops going the way they are? Mainly because of the way, and not singling out anybody, the way they've been run. I think they are a completely different model than they used to be. One, it's impossible to get a bet on. I mean, you know, they, they take your name and address, oh. and it, it's a joke. Yeah. They do all they can to stop you having a bet, and that applies to every betting shop in the country. Yeah. So they've treated their customers, I think, with contempt. They, a lot of the, not the shop were bought, Fred Dunn bought a lot of betting shops because you could have the machines in it. it you know, let's be honest. Yeah. It's nothing to do with, with any, anything else. Has the model got to change? Yes. I'd like to see some sort of tie-up between if you did have some sort of uh, off-course um, monopoly uh, run by race, like some sort of tie-up with uh, you know, maybe agency work with bookmakers. I think betting shops are dead. They used to be places where uh, socially they were quite useful. My yeah. wife had a betting shop and she got really friendly with a couple of the old boys who used to get in there in the morning. It was almost like the only person they talked to. Those sort of days have completely yeah. and utterly changed and I think mainly it's due to the people who've run the betting shops. Sorry, I've gone on too long. No, no, not at all. You haven't gone on long enough because I'm, I'm with you. I think that the, the nature of betting shops... Like you say, when I used to go to the betting shops back in the day, it was a community. You'd go in, you knew every single person, they knew you. And almost if you knew a, a horse and or a horse one with a certain jockey and rider, they all, you all knew that and you knew, oh, he's backed it or she's Absolutely. backed it. Or, because you knew that they were the fans of. In the 1980s, I could get £300 bets on, easy as you like. I couldn't get 3p on now. Well, I remember going... No, I, we, we, we do have a little bit of time off, I say, but I'm just saying, okay. I just... I remember going into a betting shop just a few weeks ago, or when they, when they reopened a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to have, uh, tell you, I wanted to have £25 each way on a horse that mm -hmm. I was running. And he said to me, uh, hang on a second, 
went, went back, came back, and went, you can have £10 each way on it. And it was uh, 92 shots somewhere. Mm -hmm. that I've, Absolutely. And I was just thinking to myself, that's really... I'll give I mean, you two I'm examples. Not taking, I'm not uh, taking to the cleaners here, am I, with the 92 shot at 25 quid each way? Nothing to do with bet. Two, two examples, and I'll use two different versions. Labbrooks and Hills were the two shops in my, in my area. The Labbrooks thing, they, was, they, they appear to be more keen on giving me a loyalty card, which really, really <laughs> irritated me. Basically, it's a way of covering who you are. And the William Hill shop, it was, they recognise you, oh, this, and about 44 phone calls. For a, if I remember rightly, a nothing golf bet. I mean, you know, yeah, we would come 95th. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got the whole experience of it, I thought was, you know, and I'm not untypical. I think people's, yes. you know, the number of people who are, who've been, um, I say, both betting shops and bookmakers in general, who have been treated with contempt for 20 years in the way that every, the, you are seen as, an, as the enemy, yeah. I think, uh, rather than as a, as a yeah. customer, unless you're just handing over half your money as you go in. Well, that might be a subject for a whole separate show betting shops and future betting getting bets on etc uh, but that has been this week's talking points